BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm April Domboski in San Francisco. A lot of people have had to call out sick from work this winter. Either they had COVID or their kid had it. Now, under a new deal brokered with Governor Gavin Newsom, California workers may get retroactive sick leave for the time they had to take off. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has more. Labor unions urge lawmakers to boost paid time off, with Omicron infections now forcing many workers to stay home or risk spreading the virus at work. The agreement will likely win legislative approval in the coming weeks. It would require businesses with at least 26 employees to provide up to two extra weeks of COVID sick leave for absences from January through September. Companies would be on the hook for the plan, but the deal will also bring back business tax credits for research and development and net operating losses. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. 20 states started this year off with a new increase in their minimum wage, including California. A new study finds those wage hikes can help low-income renters avoid eviction. From KPCC in Los Angeles, reporter David Wagner has more on the findings. At a time when many low-income Californians are struggling to keep up with rent, a new economic analysis offers a glimmer of good news. The paper, published in the Journal of Urban Economics, looks at data on monthly rent payments in states that increased their minimum wage. The researchers find that after a minimum wage hike, low-income renters were 10.6 percent less likely to miss a payment, putting them at lower risk of eviction. One of the researchers is Musa Diop, an assistant professor of real estate at USC. Our study shows that minimum wage increases do definitely help low-income renters. The authors find that landlords do tend to raise rents after a minimum wage hike, but in the long run, renters are still better off. California enacted a statewide minimum wage of $15 per hour at the start of the year. For the California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles. Renters in Los Angeles are getting extra protections to stay in their homes. The county is extending its moratorium on evictions for tenants who can't pay their rent because of the pandemic. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has more. On a 4-1 to vote, the Board of Supervisors voted to extend the protections through the end of the year. Supervisor Sheila Kuehl says despite signs that Omicron infections are waning, 
thousands of L.A. County residents have tested positive in recent weeks, and many are still facing tough times financially. When they have to quarantine in a home or place that they count on to be able to sleep and try to get well, they are not earning money because they're not being paid for being sick. And this is happening to hundreds of thousands of our residents. The only no vote was cast by Supervisor Catherine Barger. She says it's not just renters who have been suffering. I'm speaking on behalf of many individuals who've saved their entire lives to buy a rental unit and are counting on that income to survive once they've retired. Some of these individuals are elderly people, and there are others who are simply unable to financially remain solvent when faced with no income and will become destitute. Starting in April, the county will again forbid landlords from evicting tenants who fail to pay their rent. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. Low-income renters are getting some help, and low-income homeowners are getting help, too. State officials say people who have fallen behind on their mortgage should apply for the new California Mortgage Relief Program. It's a $1 billion program offering grants of up to $80,000. Homeowners whose earnings are at or below the median income for their area are eligible. California Senator Alex Padilla said the program could help tens of thousands of homeowners, including those most affected by the pandemic. We know that the COVID-19 pandemic hit especially hard in communities of color, in immigrant communities, and low-income communities, both from a health perspective and an economic perspective. There's no application deadline, but the funds are first come, first serve. Officials say the money could run out quickly. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she's running for re-election. As KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, the announcement ends speculation that Pelosi might retire. Near the end of a long letter to supporters, the San Francisco Democrat said she was running for an 18th term because, in her words, much more needs to be done. Pelosi has been critical to passing major legislation, including the Affordable Care Act under President Obama and a $2 trillion COVID relief bill in President Biden's first few months in office. With Democrats facing strong headwinds come November and the likelihood of being in the minority next year, many thought Pelosi would step aside. Her decision to run could help Democrats raise the campaign cash they'll desperately need to stay competitive. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. A wildfire that's burned 700 acres between Big Sur and Carmel started after high winds blew embers from a nearby pile of burning leaves and branches. 
The fire appears to have started on a residential property. Cal Fire officials tell the San Francisco Chronicle it's unclear if the homeowner had a burn permit. Permits are required to burn debris in the area. The Colorado fire broke out Friday evening near Big Sur and quickly spread across the central coast. The fire is now 50 percent contained. Evacuation orders remain in place for hundreds of residents in the area, and a stretch of Highway 1 is still closed in both directions. Five hours north of here, along the rugged coast of Mendocino County, groves of towering old-growth redwoods were once the hunting and fishing grounds of indigenous tribes, until European settlers and loggers arrived. Now, one of those forests is being returned to its native inhabitants. KQED's Annalise Finney reports. The 523-acre Mendocino property was purchased by the Save the Redwood League two years ago. It's being transferred to the Intertribal Sinkion Wilderness Council, composed of 10 native groups from the area. Priscilla Hunter is chairperson of the council. It makes my mind and my heart, my soul, it's just happy. I, I even can feel our ancestors that how happy they are. Hunter says the growing movement to return land to its native caretakers is the product of decades-long efforts. Save the Redwoods will retain access to the property to assist the council with land conservation. For the California Report, I'm Annalise Finney. Tree groves throughout California play an important role in butterfly migration. Every winter, western monarchs come here from across the U.S. They've been tracked from Mendocino to northern Mexico over the last 20 years. But after reaching an all-time low in 2020... The number of monarchs in California has recently rebounded. Trained volunteers from the Xerces Society announced the results of their annual Thanksgiving count this week. They counted nearly 250,000 monarchs, the highest number in five years. At their last count, they were less than 2,000 butterflies total. Volunteer coordinator Jessica Griffiths was astounded by the increase. She says while monarchs are beautiful and delicate, they are also quite hardy. They're survivors. And if we can help provide them with the environment that they need, they will thrive. Researchers are still trying to determine the cause of the dramatic uptick in butterflies. In downtown Sacramento, the restored Sutter Fort is a hotspot for elementary school field trips. People in pioneer costumes, exhibits of colonial-era tools. The fort helped shape California as we know it, but at great cost to indigenous people. Over the past year, state parks have been working with local tribes to create a more accurate narrative about the violence Native people suffered during colonial times. Cap Radio's Pauline Bartoloni has more. Tens of thousands of kids have shuffled through this fort about a mile from the state capitol every year. Until recently, they may have reenacted characters from the 1800s and interacted with park staff dressed up in colonial attire. But John Frazier of California State Parks says that way of telling colonial history fails in one major way. We missed the truth, um, and we missed the impact on Native American people. Native culture was either diminished or distorted or inappropriately represented. Frazier says the state parks agency, which runs the fort, was too narrowly focused on a heroic narrative about the Swiss settler John Sutter, So for the past year, they've been collaborating with several local Native American tribes to tell a fuller picture of his impact on Miwok and Nisenan people. He destroyed so much of our culture and history and just took over, you know, lands. 
Rhonda Pope Flores is the chairwoman of the Buena Vista Rancheria of Miwok Indians in Amador County. She says John Sutter violently disrupted indigenous ways of life. People moved away and, 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 and killed and slaughtered and enslaved. And that is very different from what you would find at Sutter's Fort. Historians have documented Sutter's killing and exploitation of Native Americans. One account describes hundreds of Native people working for him in slave-like conditions, eating out of troughs for livestock. He shelled indigenous villages and trafficked Native American workers. That's according to his biographer, Albert Hurtado. He had no compunction about taking some men and a cannon and shelling an Indian rancheria, uh, killing uh, people indiscriminately. However, Hurtado says John Sutter was a complicated man. He preferred to use diplomacy before violence. And he was the founder of Sacramento. He was hospitable to new settlers. And he even tried to save the Donner Party. You have to show him in all of his different facets. Californians are not the only ones renaming or reinterpreting public areas with an equity lens. Autumn Saxton Ross of the National Recreation and Park Association says around the U.S., people are rethinking parks, bridges, and statues, too. So I can have a park across the street for me, but if I if it's named Robert E. Lee as a black woman, huh? You know that drives certain feelings. So maybe maybe I'm not comfortable in that park. Saxton Ross says recasting the stories around these common spaces is necessary for racial healing. If we are going to tell history, it needs to be accurate. So we have to actually recognize. The thing sucked for a really long time, and we pretend as if it didn't. Early this year, California Parks Department will invite the public to participate in meetings about how to reinterpret Sutter's Fort. It's a long time coming for this history to really be um, corrected. Tribal chairwoman Pope Flores says she's proud to be part of shaping the new narrative. For the California Report, I'm Pauline Bartoloni in Sacramento. Super Bowl fans who go to Los Angeles to watch the game in person will be given a face mask when they enter the stadium. L.A. County health orders require people to wear masks at outdoor mega events with more than 5,000 people. That's even if they've been vaccinated against COVID-19. The stadium will hand out KN95 masks. Health officials have been increasingly urging residents to use the higher quality face masks and give themselves an extra layer of protection. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, January 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Stanford Medicine protecting your health, and providing defendable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.